All right. Uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 12. I'll read them, and then I just want to go back through them and um, talk about them a little bit. This passage of Scripture has been very influential to me uh, personally, and I'm sure it has to a lot of people. Uh, But for me, uh, almost no point of growth in my life uh, doesn't come back to something within this passage. Uh, It contains so much. Uh, Wisdom for living. Not cute sayings, not uh, self-help, but deep wisdom. This is the instruction of Solomon to his uh, son. Deep wisdom from a, a man who was granted heavenly wisdom. And uh, this, is, this is what he has in the opening of his book on, on wisdom. Uh, so verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your fats will be bursting with grape juice. (laughs) (laughs) My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. So it begins, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And trust, time and again, I have to remind myself and remind other people that that's what faith is. Faith is trust. Somehow faith has become this esoteric thing. And if you were to say, believe in your heart, believe in the Lord with all of your heart, it would mean something different to you than trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So I like that, I like that at least the translation here says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And if you know anything about Hebrew poetry, you know that it, it, it's written in parallel, right? It'll be one phrase and then another phrase that will be uh, similar to it, but sort of expand the meaning of that original phrase. So here he says, trust in the Lord with all your understanding and do not lean on your own, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. So he is paralleling, it's, and in this case, it's, a, it's an opposite. Trust is the opposite of not uh, of leaning on your own understanding. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart is the opposite of leaning on your own understanding. And I like the idea of leaning because, it, again, it fills out this idea of what faith really is. It's leaning on the truth of God. It's putting weight on it. Okay? Um, it's living unto the Lord or living, when you, when you lean on something, if it's taken away, you fall down. You lose your balance. You need that thing to stay upright. And so here he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Heart and understanding here are in parallel. Your heart, we've, we talked a lot about the heart. If you were in Deuteronomy at all, um, last year, the end of last year, um, the heart is really key. What is the heart? It's where, it's where your will is. It's where you make decisions. It's kind of the seat of your destiny in life. Um, and it's what you make of your life, your heart. Uh, you will make of your life what your heart does, what your heart thinks. Um, and that is where we are to, tr- to lean 
on God in our will, in our decisions. We are to make decisions that cannot be made unless God is there. We have to, that's what it means to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Make decisions and live in such a way that if God were not there, it would all come crashing down. Does that make sense? In other words, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't build an edifice and then bring God and invite him into your structure, your decisions. No, your decisions have to be totally propped up by the Lord, by by walking with him. And he will make straight your paths. Um, It says, uh, oh no, it says, in all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. This is a very simple phrase, but it's a phrase that will absolutely change your life. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Now think about what that would mean. So it would be something like what Paul says, in whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do, when you wake up, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Everything that you set yourself to do, invite him into the process. From the, from the most spiritual and conceptual and theoretical to the very mundane, practical, concrete, in all of your ways... And this should call to our remembrance the, the teachings that we've had uh, lately, or maybe it was last year, on abiding. You know, a little chart that we have with the circle in the middle, relationship with God, and then there's relationship with family, relationship with uh, the, wor- uh, the world, relationship, um, all the different boxes. Do you remember these, uh, this, this chart that we did uh, fairly recently here? Um, the whole idea of that is that you don't, meet God over here and then go do work over here and kind of compartmentalize your relationship with God. Abiding with him means to take your relationship with God into wherever you go. And it's one continuous remaining in him, abiding in him. And so this, I love how he says this, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And I think we can all, that's not a, that's not a lofty goal. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Um, if you have something, there are things in our lives that carry, we carry with us into everything that we do. And it's not hard. Like, we love our families. And pretty much any point in the day, you're carrying with you your love for your family. You're thinking about your family. At least uh, most of us. <laughs> Maybe not you guys. Um, but you carry that with you. And you do everything you do in light of that thing that you carry with you. And this is how we are to walk out in our relationship with God. To, in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Bring him, do it in light of him. Do it before his face. Abraham, uh, God told Abraham, walk before me. And be blameless. We're to walk before God in everything that we do. And he will make straight your paths. We'll know where to go. We'll know what to do. We'll know how to operate in a certain situation. When in all our ways we are acknowledging him, when in our decisions we are leaning on our relationship with God. Be not wise 
in your own eyes. And again, this is filling out the idea of um, leaning on your own understanding. How, how easy is it to lean on your own understanding? To not do anything unless it squares with the way you see the world, the way you understand reality. Everything that, you know, if you hear something in Scripture, well, it has to square with what makes sense to me. That's not how we're called to live. There, there very well might be something that doesn't make much sense to you that God's calling you to do, and you don't see how it could be useful or fruitful, but he's calling you to do it. And you have to do it, decide to do it, leaning on him. And if, if it's not him, if he's not there, if he's not in it, then that thing is totally useless. We should have a few things in our life like that. But be not wise in our own eyes. Don't think that you know the best way to live in your current situation. I mean, what's wisdom other than the ability to take universal reality and truth and, and, and apply it to a specific situation? Don't think that you know how to do that. Don't be the judge of whether you know how to apply eternal truth to a particular situation. The book of Proverbs fills out a number of ways that we can achieve wisdom first of which is the fear of God, but there's also a counsel of people in our lives. So be not wise in your own eyes. Don't lean on your own understanding. I'll also point out that it's, it's a bad thing in Scripture when you hear that phrase, in your own eyes. <laughs> in those days, there was no king of Israel, and everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. It led to utter destruction and chaos. Okay? And all it takes is a few people to start doing what seems best to them. Okay? This is what lost Adam and Eve Eden. One person and then another person deciding to do what seems best to them. Okay? This is the essence of sin. This is the essence of independence from God. Okay? So it's not just, you know, life will be better if you really pray about things before you do them. Now, unless you pray, unless you get the wisdom of God, unless you invite God into everything that you do, what you do is going to cause chaos, chaos and destruction for yourself and the people around you. So it's not, it's not you know, your life is just going to be a lot better if you, if you begin the day with prayer. Yeah, but unless, unless you get on your face, unless you humble yourself, unless you fear the Lord and turn away from evil, the things that you do are going to cause destruction and are going to lose yourself and the people around you the presence of God. Okay? So it is, it is a... It's the easiest thing to slip into, but it's the most destructive thing that a human can do to do things according to what's right in their own eyes, to be wise in their own eyes, to lean on their own understanding. Fear the Lord. This is, an, this is a concept, I think, that is utterly lost um, in, in American evangelicalism. Fear the Lord. Uh, it used to be that what you would call someone who really had a, a deep walk with God is they were a God-fearing person. What is fearing the Lord? It's acknowledging him in all of your ways. It's saying, God's here with me 
looking at what I'm doing. And I don't want to offend his holiness. I don't want to do anything that would indicate that he is not the one that I fully trust. Does that make sense? Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay? Unless you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you're going to find that it's impossible to turn away from evil. Just as, just as it's impossible to understand how to really live, how to have wisdom, the fear of the Lord is it's the very foundation of being able to walk and turn away from evil. Okay? Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. A lot of times, if, if you struggle with sin habitually, you might not understand the fear of the Lord. You might not really understand what holiness is and what sin, what the state of sin is in the presence of a holy God. And that might need to be a meditation. What I'm hoping in all of this is that there's a, a line or two that you need to chew on, okay? That, that you need to meditate on, something that catches you. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Fearing the Lord does not put you in a, in a diminished state. Fearing the Lord makes you thrive as a human being. <laughs> it's what you were created for. It's, it's proper humanity. Even bodily. You will find that if, if, if a God-fearing person inhabits their body well. <laughs> does that make sense? They, they, have a, they have a health about them. That's not, you know, they eat their, eat their Wheaties. But a God-fearing person has a strength and a vitality about them. Have you, if you know someone who truly fears God, they're full of life. Right? They're not diminished. They're not fearful people. They're not cowards. They know who they are. Jesus, I think more than anyone, feared God. But he also had a close, intimate relationship with God. Does this make sense? It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. <clears throat> Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all, you, all your produce. Now, you could easily turn this into a prosperity message. But I think that misses what what this is saying. What, what, what's, what's the essence of this scripture? What's the, what's the admonition here? Give God your best. Give God your best. And one of the things that struck me about this uh, at a crucial time in my life was that I was not giving God the best. It, it wasn't necessarily uh, my physical wealth or money, but I wasn't giving God my, the best of my mind or my freshest time of the day. I was sort of slogging through my time in the Word right before I went to bed and sort of falling asleep or whatever. Um, I would give my best when I felt most alert and awake. I would give that to other things. You know, I would get distracted and do something else and, you know, be fully engaged in this thing that, that was not really of eternal value. Figure out when you're at your best, when you can most concentrate and try, try as hard as you can to give that to God. And the promise here is that if you give God your best, he really will take care of the rest of everything. 
not only will he take care of it, but it will be an abundant provision, an abundance of provision that you will discover. And I do think it's true financially. I mean, as this is talking about, physical wealth. The tithe disciplines us to, I'm not going to pray about how to use this money. <laughs> I'm not going to think about whether I should give this. Boom. It's going. It's going to hit my hand and just slide right out. That teaches you. God loves that kind of person. And why does he want to pour out more wealth on that person? Because what it's going to do is it's going to hit that person and slide right out to the people around them. God loves to pour gas on fires. Where somebody is, where somebody is a generous giver, a generous with their wealth, generous with their time, with their, you know, all these different ways that we can be generous. God loves to pour out resource because he knows where it's going to go. It's not going to hit that person and just stay and be hoarded. It's going to reach a lot of people. God wants to bless a lot of people. How is he going to do it? He's going to find those people that are generous and that hold on to their things and resources and their, and their blessing lightly. And he's going to say, yeah, that person, they're a big giver. So it's not like he wants to make big givers wealthy. He wants to bless a lot of people. And so he's going to find the best givers and pour out wealth upon them. Does that make sense? If you structure your life in a giving, a generously giving way, I, I guarantee you, you will find that the, <laughs> that the influx of blessing in your life, material wealth, uh, whatever way you want to say it, um, God loves a cheerful giver. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And this isn't honor the Lord so that your barns will be filled with plenty. Okay? It's, it's just the sequence of things. A person who honors the Lord and who holds on to things lightly, well, God's going to command blessing there. It's just a fact. God has a mission and a purpose, and it's to bless the whole earth through his people. And we're the channels of that blessing. So we, we shouldn't be surprised and we shouldn't be ashamed of seeking more blessing. Why? Because it's the glory of God going out into the earth. It's a blessing of God reaching all nations. It's the, it's, this is the purpose of God. It's, it's always been the purpose of God. <clears throat> and then, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. And this is a, this is a big one. Um, so often we treat the discipline of God as if it's some sort of like dry spell or like inexplicable um, season of, of challenge in our life. I don't know where God is. I've been praying. Um, <laughs> there's a great, there's a great uh, devotional that's always stuck with me, and a lot of, many of you know me. I've, I've passed this out to you. Um, it's from the, the devotional called The Streams in the Desert. And the whole, the, the whole meditation is this, and it begins with this phrase. Much that perplexes us in our Christian experience is but an answer to our prayer. <laughs> we pray for humility, and guess what? We get opportunities to humble ourselves. We pray to be loving, and guess what? God doesn't give us the, the loving people or the, the, the very lovable people. 
How would we be learn, learn to how to love with the lovable people? He gives us the, the people that we find very difficult to love. And I, I say that because those kinds of people are different for everyone. Right? One person's lovable person is another person's thorn in the side. <laughs> we pray for patience. And guess what? God gives us opportunities to wait and be patient. We pray for, and it just goes on down the line. Yeah, we pray to be like Christ. And God sends us to Jerusalem to pick up our cross. Right Right in the footsteps of our master. And we get in these situations where we're like, oh, what's going on? This is what I signed up for. Don't despise the discipline of the Lord. What's he doing? He's making you like him. He's treating you in the same way that he treats his own son. Right? When Jesus was baptized, in no uncertain terms, God the Father said, this is my son. I am so well pleased with him. And then he drove him out into the wilderness. <laughs> this, is, this is what it means to become like Jesus. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. I mean, clear clear reference there. A, a clear parallel with the, with the, the father's statements over Jesus' life. At his baptism, at the transfiguration, this is my son. Listen to him. I am well pleased with him. His life is cross-shaped. And God is going to... Now, that Jesus himself it says, had, he, had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. Um, and so we ourselves will need to learn obedience through the opportunities that God has places in our life to lay down our lives to test us, to try us, to give us opportunities to uh, become stronger in certain ways. So there you go. I'm sure that there is a thing or two in there that you probably need to look at this year and say, that's, that's where I am this year. And I would encourage all of you, um, just since we're all here, um, I, I would encourage all of you to, to remember that we encourage all the, all the men in this church. I don't care if you're married or, or single or you guys can even start this with your, with your dads. Um, to get a vision for this coming year. And to say, what, what would God have me, how does he want me to grow? What are the people that I need to commit myself? What are the relationships that I'm focused on this year? What are we focused on as a family? Who have we been given to? How are we going to love them? Um, what are we going to do with our money? What are we going to do with the opportunities in the world that God has given us. How are we going to steward our lives this year as a family? Um, and so I encourage you to, to, to be thinking in those terms. I'm sure most of you are. Um, but there is a wealth of, of wisdom in these seven verses uh, for you to, to, to inform your vision uh, for this year. And there's probably, like I said, a thing or two in here that needs to kind of go at the top of your family vision. Um, and uh, so that's my, that's my encouragement to you all. Um, any, anything that you want to add or share or, or underscore? Or just say, yeah, this is, <laughs> I know right now, this is the thing that, I'm, that I need to work on.
application, you've got young men in your college. Yeah. How are you taking that, you know, last couple of verses and apply that? <clears throat> You're talking about the discipline part? Yeah. I think letting, letting my kids see, and my, my boys are pretty young. I don't know if they'll be able, Micah could probably pick up on this at this point. Um, but I think letting your kids see you embrace the hand of the Father in your own life uh, is crucial. Um, to, to not rule your family from up on your throne, but to, <laughs> to say, yeah, we, uh, we are growing. We are pursuing the Father together, and Dad's growing in these ways. And I think even it, more so as you get into the teenage years, I think that's, a, that's an important thing for your children to see, to, to, to know that, that you don't despise the discipline of the Lord, and that you submit to it in the form of the relationships that are in your life, in the form of um, whatever God is using currently in your life to, di- to shape you and to form you. Um, as much as your kids can understand that, but let them understand that. That's, that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, so I was just thinking about when you, when you were talking that... Uh, You know, the encouragement is to lean on God's work, right? Mm-hmm. Don't lean on your understanding. But what we do, what's going on is we get to lean on God's work, yeah. right? Yeah. The one example that we have is, hey, if you, you know, if you put God first, you know, with your money and you give, you know, whatever, your heart's right towards money and your blessing, what's, what do you get? I mean, you get more. Yeah. I mean, it's not like this is like a bad thing, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I was raised, I was not raised in a Christian home, right? So it was really dysfunctional. About my senior years, I did not live in my home. The, my whole family was spread out over the United States. And so as a senior in high school, I just started really asking, right? And, you know, I didn't have a dad, and I'm not lying. You know, I didn't have a dad that's like, hey, you know, do this, do this, don't do this. You know, there was, I, I only knew one Christian. Yeah. And I didn't meet that person until I was a junior in high school. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden, you know, I'm asking for, for God to help me. And then, you know, God shows up and starts giving me direction. And I start doing it. And I'm blessed. And so, from, yeah. since I was 19, I'm like, I'm, I just wake up every day and I'm blessed. And I'm at peace. And yeah. God's been so faithful. So, it's, it's not like, you know, since, you know we, we shouldn't be talked into this. Right. Right. I mean, this is an, this is the way to live. Yeah. And God is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is very. It is the way to live. Cool. You know, the alternative is hell. Yeah. And I've seen it. We've all known. You know, you, you, there's all kinds of testimonies every day. I hate to say that word, but you know, yeah. in the in the, in the bad sense. But you don't follow God. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. If you follow God, it's really good. Yeah. You know, and so it's. You know, lean. Let's lean on God. Yeah. Know? Let's lean on His word. Let's do what He wants. You know. Uh, yeah. Because He's a blesser. Yeah. Right? And and you know, so anyway, that's my. Well, I mean, one way to say what you're saying is look at the, look at all the results in this verse. 
You get straight paths, right? You got a clear, straight path to walk. You healing to your flesh, you health, wealth, and uh, yeah, wisdom, and also uh, to know you're loved by your father. That sounds like a good life. I got a clear path. I've got health. I have wealth, and I know Dad loves me. <laughs> That's a great life. But it also describes we have one way we, that, we can, that we can try and go about achieving that, and that's what the whole thing is getting at. We have one way to achieve wealth. We have one way to achieve health. Man, we have a million ways to achieve health. Just don't, I mean, just read the Internet. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that's the most healthy thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> turn away from the Internet, and it will be healing to your flesh. Um, and there's a deep cry. That we want, I mean... More than ever, we want to know that we are loved by the Father. I mean, people cry out for that. Now, what the Scripture says is that you're looking for the evidence of God's love in the wrong place. If you want evidence of God's love, look at how he disciplines you. Look at how involved he is in fathering you. Look at how he doesn't want to leave you as an immature child. And he's treating you as if someone that he's going to hand over the keys to the household too. Now tell me how much, how loved you feel, right? You're not just a charity case. You're not just dad's fishing buddy. He wants to turn the thing over to you and he's going to train you and discipline you so that he can. That's love. And that, that delivers you from that, that fearfulness of I don't know. I don't know if I'm low. I think my, my life isn't very bad. God must not love me very much. It's not true. Yeah, so you look at the results, but then you look at the ways in which we're to achieve those results, and they very much point us toward the cross and, and self-sacrifice. Yeah? Yeah. I might have to rewind the recording. <laughs> no, what, what were the, what were the? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, those, that was, those were just a list of questions that, that I had the, our little family vision chart in my head. Um, you know, the first thing is character. You know, how, God, how is God shaping me this year? What are the things he's teaching me this year, the things I need to, to continually meet with him on? Um, there's, there's scheduling, family scheduling. There's, there's finances. What are we going to do with our money? What's, what, how would God have us steward our wealth this year? Are we being responsible? Are we giving enough? Um, are we saving enough? Um, you know, those sorts of questions. And then relationships, you know, that's, that's always part of the vision. Who, who are the families that we've been called to, to love and serve? Um, you can just go on, go on down the list. I, I, can, I could print out the, the chart if you want. I've got one that I use that is just a grid, <laughs> a spreadsheet, and it has all the, 
each name of the family there, and then the, I don't know, 10 or so areas of, of vision. Um, so that's where I was getting those, those questions, yeah. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? The, the vision, right? We're, um, and I, I think sometimes it, it, it's an intimidating thing. You don't necessarily have to. You can if you want. You don't necessarily have to take like a whole weekend and get away and fast and pray with your wife. I, I, you know, you can just sit down one, one weekend in your family room and, you know, kind of bat back and forth. You know, what, what, what are we doing this? You know, and spend some time thinking over it. So it doesn't have to be this big thing. Yeah, I, I guess you can make it that if you want. But it's just coming to agreement and and looking ahead for this year, what would God have me do? Um, so that you can, as, as Habakkuk says, write the vision, make it plain, and you can always refer back to it. You have something outside of your own head. You know the expectations that, that you have for yourself and for each other in the family, and you can just, it's, it's great to hold yourself to that, because uh, I know I can get like three months into the year and want to go, oh, we should do this and this, and no, this is what we said we were going to do. Let's do this fully before we move on, you know. What else? Is this helpful? Amen? All right, Chad, you got anything to, to throw in? Yeah. Um, without some tenacity and seeking them out. Yeah. It's not the, you know, it's not the fervor of the ten minutes after the teaching, but it's the thing that sticks with you. And this just comes up in chapter two. Yeah. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Yeah. Um, I think that's not a description of a pastime. Yeah. That's a description of an entire kind of focus of the whole person. Kind of like what you were saying about the heart. Yeah. Yeah, and he's using here some, some metaphors, but make your own metaphor. What's something that has captured you and you found yourself just giving yourself to? I mean, sometimes for me, it's like researching some product to buy. Like, I'm going to find the, I'm going to read all the reviews. I'm going to do all the research. I'm going I'm to figure out what it is, and it can capture me. <laughs> it's, just, it's confession time. Um, but what's something, I mean, it could be a member of the opposite sex, right? Man, I'm always aware of this. <laughs> young lady's presence. I know when her car's in the parking lot, so I know she's there. Yeah, all this stuff. It's not something you have to be prodded to do. But we all have examples of that in our lives of uh, things that we've gone after and we've sought for like silver. Um, Things that we really wanted to see happen. It was a a job or an achievement of some kind or a a athletic performance or whatever it is. Some, Some feat of 
uh, endurance running. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but whatever it is, it, you, you really honed yourself and disciplined yourself to, to go do that thing because it captured you. And that's what he's saying is, is, is the, the kind of heart needed to really find God. Amen. Anything else? My pleasure. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Um, And God, I pray that that this would uh, not... uh, That the word would go deep into our hearts this morning, Lord. That, that it would create in us a desire and a passion, a fervor, as Chad was saying, to, to really go after this. Um, Lord, I pray against empty New Year's resolutions, and I pray for uh, the kind of resolve that Jesus had, and because he knew who he was, and he knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going. I pray that you give all of us men that kind of resolve this year, uh, that we would see the goal, that we would see the vision, Lord, that you would give us wisdom for whatever influence we have in our families or in our, over our own lives, uh, in our workplaces. Uh, Lord, help us to wield our influence in a fruitful way, Lord, in a God-fearing way, uh, so that you could be uh, glorified in everything that we do. Uh, Lord, I pray for every man who's uh, making and, and, and looking ahead for this year and, and seeking your face, and I uh, pray that you'd give revelation and wisdom, God, that you would give deep vision, and that it would bear fruit, that you would make each man a blessing to his family and his friends. Um, and I pray for these young men, Lord, that you would capture them, that you would speak to their hearts by the Holy Spirit, that they would see uh, manhood in the kingdom as a real goal, uh, Lord, that, that they would, um, like Samuel, hear your voice, and rise and go and, and serve in the house of the Lord, uh, that you would give them uh, ways to do that, help their, their dads to bring them into that work, uh, their, their, uh, and the other men, the older men in their life, um, that they would hear wisdom and be, be men of, uh, young men of character and of, of fervor. But we thank you. Uh, go with us as we, as we part. Uh, keep us from evil. And lead us not into temptation. Uh, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.